We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. 1 and 0. The Phoenix Suns defeated the Denver Nuggets in game 1. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? They did it again. They did it they again. They did it again and we are in for a hell of a series, guys. I was sweating uh during that third quarter like this was such Roller a good coaster. game. And then when they were able to blow it open, we are in for a fun ride. This this was, I mean, this was just an awesome game. And so, like, where, where do you want to start? I mean, I want to talk about Jokic uh, because yeah. I thought what, first of all, Aiton was fantastic. Uh, everything that he needed to be in this game and it, what he did, what the Suns did really, as far as their game plan on Nikola Jokic, I thought was perfect because Jokic ended this game with 22 points and only three assists, which I think is... And, and look, he had more turnovers than assists in this game. Four turnovers to three assists. It's exactly what you want to turn Jokic into in order to really take advantage of this matchup. We, we talked about it. For those who don't know, Sam and I went live on Twitter before the game, and, and we talked about our expectations for this game and the biggest questions facing the Suns and the Nuggets. And the biggest thing I think that I talked about, the very first thing is, can Aiton stay on the court, by the way? I think he may have ended with one foul in this game, uh, which is remarkable. And can they single cover Nikola Jokic with DeAndre Aiton? The answer to that was yes. Jokic still did well. He still scored points, but he, he was under his averages for the postseason. He was not able to find guys open like he normally can. Didn't look like a point guard like he normally does. And the Suns really capitalized on that. I thought the game plan was fantastic all around. The guys were disciplined, especially in the second half. I thought there was there was some bad defense in the first half. But in the second half particularly, guys were disciplined off the ball, and they mm. did a really good job with their game plan on, on Jokic tonight. They stuck with their assignments and, and didn't let him use his IQ to beat you. I, I mean, you know, we talk about them neutralizing Jokic, and that was 
that was amazing, just as important was neutralizing MPJ, who himself only had 15 points on, on 6 of 13 shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they did a fantastic job. We talked about all those wings being switchable, and, and they were able to blow up actions and not allow MPJ to come off screen. And when he did, it was always a contested three. You live with those shots, and you know if he makes those, you, you tip your cap to him. Just a just a fantastic team performance from the Suns. Uh, honestly, I mean, twenty two points and three assists from from Nikola Jokic in this MVP caliber season he's having. I haven't gone back and looked at his game log, but this has to be one of the worst games he's had all year long. It's it's honestly a remarkable effort. And I remember because he was making some threes in this game and he was making some difficult shots. And I think he had twenty two points like in the mid or late third quarter. And didn't score at all in in the fourth, or at least he didn't score at all in the second half of the fourth quarter. And the reason I know that is because I remember them putting up a graphic that said he had 22 points. And it was like the third quarter, and I was thinking, oh my god, this guy could sleepwalk his way to 30. Honestly, like you could you could throw any defensive coverage at it. You could still win the game, but he could sleepwalk his way to 30. And then he didn't score for the rest of the game. Yeah. So just, yeah, I mean, flawless execution from the Suns, I guess you could say, in game one. It's exactly what you need to do in order to limit his effectiveness. I think TJ McBride, when he came on our podcast last week, he said it best last week. It was a few days ago. Two uh, days ago yeah. <laughs> he said it best. He's inevitable. He's still going to get points. But I mean, when you when you hold him to, what was it, 21 points or 22 points on 22. 23 shots? Is that what he ended with? 22 points for DeAndre Ayton. It was uh, a tribute. Uh, 20 uh, yeah, points. Tw- <laughs> Sorry. 22 points on uh, 23 shots. Yes, exactly. I mean, when you hold him to that, I mean, he's scoring. Uh, uh, that's that's bad efficiency. Ultimately, that's a Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell game. <laughs> well, and how about this? 23 field goal attempts, zero free throws. Yeah. Remarkable. Yes. And you have to. And, and that, I have to be honest. I have to be honest. Aiton played him as well as he possibly could in those standalone one-on-one situations. Yes. I mean, he was honestly, he was honestly fantastic. Even so, I feel like that's a number that's just, it fluctuates. It's, there's variance to it. There's luck involved when you get zero free throw attempts. I mean, there, not every game is going to be yeah. called like like the one tonight. Uh, if it's we're being it's absolutely true, but he still deserves credit because what he didn't do is fall for the fakes. He did not bite because right. Jokic baits you into fouling him. And then he even flops. And look, they're not going to call those flops as often in the playoffs. And uh, if, if you can find ways to... To, to win that, to not necessarily give him at least the ones that he baits you on, then that's good. Look, if he's wide open running to the rim and you're desperate to stop him from scoring and you slap at him, that's an acceptable foul. Uh, obviously, he shouldn't get open on the way to the rim, but that's an acceptable foul. Uh, in our pregame conversation, we talked about how we expected that they would be setting down screens, essentially. So Jokic coming off the ball, an off-ball wing player sets a screen for Jokic as he enters the post. Aiton has to go around that screen and, and and catch him before he catches the ball. Basically, we're talking about how Jokic was going to possibly be getting the ball on the move a little bit more. And I made the point that I think that's bad for the Nuggets. I don't think that's exactly how they want to play this game. Uh, they want... They want people to help, essentially. They want Jokic to catch the ball on the high post and they want a second guy to come over and they can take advantage of the mismatch with the help. When they were setting those screens, it worked a little bit in the first half. They found a really smart way of essentially like hedging or showing on the off-ball screens and giving Aiton time to catch him so he can't get to the rim. 
And and Jokic doesn't want to sort of rumble and bumble his way to the rim. He likes to take his time. He likes to be patient. And if they just slow him down a little bit, that gives Aiton time to get there. And then if they're not helping, then it's really a, it's a one-on-one shot or it's a contested shot from another player. Really, really mm. smart game plan there. Yeah, just... just I mean, I don't think there's any adjustment for game two if you want to take no. this conversation there. Like, on, on just the Jokic aspect, the one thing I think we could say in the individual performance from Aiton um, is we saw him get burned multiple times in the first half just with the conditioning. And this is something we talked about. We talked about it more with DeAndre last season than this season, just not rushing down fast enough. And, and the problem there, obviously, is Jokic gets his seal on a small guy. And by the time Aiton can even try to recover, it's already over. Jokic has scored. Um, so that's that's a minor tweak that you need to clean up in game two. Just rushing back after the uh, after the defensive rebound for Denver to make sure you can actually catch up to that guy. Yes. Especially if you're going to match every single minute, which we went into this game right saying they're going to match Aiton and Jokic minutes, minute for minute, and that's exactly what they did. Um, so the conditioning will be an aspect for DeAndre, but, but otherwise there's nothing to nitpick. And running down also means... No complaining about missed foul calls. They're they're not going to call ed- everything, and and that's he'll catch yeah. you on that. He'll take off running, and I I don't think it's a coincidence that Jokic Did, was tired as the game rolled on after he spent his time trying to sprint down down the court to beat Aiton down there. Yes, it worked at the beginning, but how much can Jokic really do that? I mean, oh, it's I mean, it's Jokic, you know. But yeah. did did you see Da complaining about foul calls and getting beat? Like, was there a specific uh, just once. example of that? Just oh, okay. once, and he was fouled uh, from my perspective. Uh, sure, but they're. I like the way they called this game personally. Obviously, the Suns really benefited from the whistle in this game. But I think the type, yeah. that specifically the types of calls that they were calling and the types of stuff that they were letting go, I just didn't mind. The, the fouls that they the Suns were getting fouled on were fouls. I liked I liked the way this game was called, says the guy whose team shot 20 free throws to the other <laughs> team's six. But I, I agree with you. I didn't, you know, I, no complaints there. Um, I was going to say, I feel like if there's anyone who has a problem with complaining and not getting back on defense fast enough, that's a Devin Booker issue more so. We don't usually complain about DeAndre with that. It's just this particular series, dude, no one else is going to check that guy. So no, exactly. you got you to you gotta get He's got one there. job. He's got right, one yeah. job defensively, and it's and it's to make sure that he never gets deep enough to make those little dump offs into the rim. It's just too easy. Um, something else that we talked about in our pregame conversation, we, we can talk about Michael Porter Jr. as well. Uh, the game plan defensively, uh, I thought was going to be something that we had to really get into because I think it's an interesting matchup, and and it, they did what we talked about. My, Michael Porter Jr. was being guarded by Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges was tra- chasing him around screens as much as possible. And then uh, Aaron Gordon was mostly checked by Jay Crowder in the pregame conversation. I, I, I said that I expected that Devin Booker would end up on Aaron Gordon a lot. That actually ended up happening a lot. It didn't go well. He punished that matchup uh, pretty consistently. If, if they are going to count on their offense to come from Aaron Gordon in the post, though, that's a win for the Suns in my mind. Yeah. Even if he gets there, look, it's not going to create, it's not going to get anybody else going. It's not going to create any ball movement for them. It just sticks and sure. they pound it in. And it's just not great for them, I think. I don't I don't think that has to be a reliable form of offense for the Nuggets. I don't think offense is really their issue. We'll talk about their defense in a minute. But I think it's just an extra wrinkle for them, in which case, like, from my perspective, I don't, I don't mind. I think if I were 
Mike Malone, I'd say, hey, that's pretty good. And, you know, we were talking about Gordon's three-point shooting for the Portland series. He shot nine for 15, 60%, was going to regress. And not that you can leave him wide open out there, but you can certainly, that's a guy you can afford to have Jay Crowder help off. And sure enough, in this game, he shot 0 for 3 from deep. So we're starting to see a little bit of the regression there. It's when he got into the post and took it straight to Devin Booker, he he killed him. Michael Porter Jr. has no conscience. It's insane to watch him play. He comes around those dribble handoffs, and it's regardless of where the defender is, he's going to shoot it. I mean, part of me respects it. It becomes really difficult to defend, obviously. Um, and you just hope he misses them in that case because if you're just shooting around a DHO with Jokic, you're going to get, I'm not going to say open necessarily. He's not necessarily open, but with his lift and ha- his high release, uh, yeah. there's nobody really bothering the release on that shot so he can shoot it over and over again. Three for eight from three in this one and absolute on f- absolutely on fire in that first uh, first quarter. But I think Mikel, what Mikel did really well, I think, is limit his shot attempts after that. I think he was still really efficient in this game. Uh, but what Mikel did is, as soon as he caught it, he was getting his feet up into him, not just his hands. He wasn't giving him any space, basically daring him to drive. And he doesn't want to do that. He wants to put the ball up and he wants to shoot that three. If you get him driving towards the rim, then you have an opportunity to bring help defense. Or Mikel has long enough arms to still contest the shot if he gets by him. And I think that's the right way to go. If he's not coming around a DHO, get up in his face as much as possible. Yeah, I, like you said, his tendency is to be a jump shooter. So you want to keep him as a jump shooter. And he's not a guy who, I mean, he'll he'll pass if he has to, if it's the last option. But it's not really something he does all that much so you want him to get in his own head a little bit hunt his own shot and that's when you kind of see I mean yeah on the one hand it's confidence but but on the other hand he takes some some pretty stupid shots I will say it is impressive though for a second year player the amount of difficult shot making we've seen from MPJ already at this stage of his career where he can he can pull up he can pull up into a 30 foot in transition like maybe 17 seconds left on the clock straight into a rhythm three and I, from the fan perspective, I'm still thinking, oh, shit, this might go in. And tonight they mostly didn't go in. But, like, I, we have that level of respect for him now right. where it's like, you know he can make these shots. He so. was still efficient. Six for 13, three for eight from three. Like, this is yeah. not a bad game for him. It's, it's no. really – and he's going to be efficient. You have to make his – you have to make him work really hard for his shot and then hope that he misses it when he takes them. But more than anything, try to limit his attempts. And I think they did a good job doing that in this specific game. Like I said – I think it was game six against Portland. He had six threes in the first quarter alone. Uh, so he is not afraid to let it there fly. Can be, there can be a, a game like that this series for sure. Oh, yeah. That's how, that's how we'll get to Suns in five. Um, let's talk about... <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, you know, we won game one. Got to gotta be a little more. Yeah. Um, Austin Rivers. Yeah. He was Austin Rivers in this game. He was Austin, <laughs> he was Austin yeah. Rivers. Uh, not Faku was annoying. Um, Dear God, Suns fans are prepared, right? They're prepared to hate him, right? (laughs) Three for six is not going to happen often for him, by the way. They already were. What were your favorite Faku nicknames that you saw floating around on the timeline? I know David Nash called him a garden gnome. (laughs) I liked that. Um, Someone someone I like, and I'm sorry I can't give you the credit. Someone called him a ratatouille-ass motherfucker. I did see that one. That uh, one is great. I appreciated that. That might have been... I don't know. I don't want to say who it was. I, I saw a Denver Denver fan say, do we really have a 5'4 guard who can't shoot out there in crunch time? <laughs> Which, um, but look, yeah. hey, 
he was mostly like impactful. He no, hit. he's pretty good. <laughs> I don't feel the, the crazy thing is he shot three for six from deep and like, but every time he shot it, I was like, okay, do it. Like, <laughs> prove yeah. to me that you can do it. I'm not worried about that. I'm not. So, yeah, maybe one of those was on the catch. He was shooting. He was shooting a lot off the dribble because Suns are just daring him to do that. And uh, yeah, keep doing it. Feel free. He's not going to shoot. He shot fifty percent in this game. That's not going to happen. That's not going to be a normal thing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so offense, because the Suns scored 122 points in this game, 54% from the field, 38% from deep. They had four players with over 20 points uh, in this game. Here's where I want to start with the leading scorer, Mikhail Bridges. Let's yeah. talk about Mikhail Outscored Bridges. Outscored Nikola Jokic in this game. That's wild. Isn't it? The outscored Nikola And he Nikola really Jokic. did it. He really just did it off the backs of... Like just that one run in the third quarter, yeah. And then he he also never scored again. Like he 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 put in like ten or twelve points in that third quarter and never scored again. Well, once and they didn't need him to. Yeah, once once that one of the extras, as as Shaq would call them, one of the other guys starts hitting shots, then it becomes a lot harder to help off of them, and that opens up the stars a lot more. It's up to the it's up to the role players to keep the defense honest, and they did really well yeah. in this game. And I think we talked about allow me to pat ourselves on the back again, but when you have the best defenders, essentially their best defender, the one guy, and he's big, right? The guy that's really prime, uh, the prime defender from Mikael Bridges is guarding Devin Booker. That means Mikael Bridges is pretty free to fly here. He, like he's got a lot of room. He's got mm-hmm. not a great defender on him because they don't and have this. They don't have the guys to guard him, and he needs to come through like this. I mean, you don't need right. this much every game, but he right. has to be and, this aggressive. And most importantly, exactly, it's the aggression. It's the confidence to dribble. That was the most impressive thing. I yeah. mean, obviously, uh, look, he shot four for eight from deep. I love seeing him hit corner threes. We should talk about Denver with the corner threes. Oh my! I don't God. know what. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Is that their game plan? Give up corner threes? Well, I want to tip my cap to Kellen Olsen here because he alert. I didn't know this about Denver. He alerted me to it at the beginning of the game. Let me see if I can find the. Did you see this tweet? Yeah. This uh, stat. They give up. uh, They give up the most. The the most. The Nuggets. He doesn't actually say. He says the Nuggets were one of the worst teams at giving up corner threes. I don't know exactly where it was in in frequency, but it's up there. And the Suns shot 43.7% on corner threes in the regular season, the second best mark in the league. I already know without looking it up, the Clippers are first. Um, 
Yeah, I, so I don't know what the hell they're doing there. And uh, Mikhail and Jay and Cam Johnson, they're all going to feast if that continues to be the case. Uh, Cam didn't hit any tonight. But with Mikhail, most importantly, he attacked those closeouts with conviction. It wasn't just the corner three. It was mixing it up so that yeah. he was a dynamic offensive threat, and that meant getting to the mid-range. That meant having five assists with a couple of pretty dimes to DeAndre Ayton on the roll. And he was, he for a small short time, because... For for the first half, most of the game, obviously the offensive game plan for the Suns still revolved around Devin Booker, and then it was finding other kind of pressure release valves in the offense once Booker was getting trapped. And then you get to the fourth quarter, it's the Chris Paul takeover. But for that little period of time, it was the Mikhail Bridges show. And, and I just love seeing those glimpses of potential because it makes me think of maybe what this guy could do on his next contract. It's, I don't know. It's not even just that he took over for a while there. It's that he did it when the Suns could not hit a bucket. I mean, when he came through, saved the game for the Suns because the momentum was not on their side there. And I believe in momentum in basketball, it definitely matters. And for him to stop the bleeding, as they said on the broadcast, mattered a lot. He had to stop it because nobody else was scoring. There was a lid on the rim at the beginning of the third quarter. One of the most dramatic swings in a single quarter that I've seen uh, the Suns play this season Started out with the Nuggets hitting everything and the Suns not hitting anything and then ended just the opposite and the Suns turned it around in that third quarter uh, dramatically and outscored them by 10 points. And it was it was a one-point game to start the third quarter, so they were up by nine and then they outscored them again by eight in the fourth. And and that's that started with Mikael Bridges finding some seams in their defense and getting to the rim and hitting corner threes. And, and that's what it took. It's, it's really what it took. And that's what allowed the guys to... It is funny how they play help defense, right? They really come hard off those corners. Uh, it's surprising, but that's how the Suns are able to get guys open later on. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they want to take away the mid-range from Booker and Paul, and for the most part they did, I guess, yeah. in the first half. But yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I, I really have to go back and watch. This is where I feel like post-game analysis is, is just not the best because I only saw it once. You know, I need to go back and watch specifically what they were doing, but... That's not a viable strategy. It's, no. it's not. Like, if you're talking about half-court offense in the NBA, corner threes, is it's, other than a dunk, it's the most efficient shot. So if you're giving up 10, 15, 20 of those looks to the opposing team, you've yeah. got a problem. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because the way the Suns play, right, most times NBA defenses want, want to force you into pull-up mid-range shots. That's what they think is the least efficient shot. And for most teams, it is the least efficient shot. For the Suns, if you're game planning to take that away, it's just a fascinating thing because in order to take that away, you have to help off the three-point line in a lot of cases or from the Lakers' perspective, help off of DeAndre Ayton and that's what gets these guys open. It's proof that the mid-range shot really matters in the NBA still if you have guys that can make it. Um, if you're smart and don't just reduce all of your statistical analysis. to yeah. Well, you have to be a passer too. I mean, that's the, that's the main thing, mm -hmm. right? Chris Paul ended... Again, by the way, Chris Paul, 11 assists to one turnover. Devin Booker, eight assists to five turnovers, all five in the first half, which I think matters in, in this specific scenario because the game plan adjustments that happened at halftime are what won this game. And the way they were guarding Devin Booker, we're finally here, I wanted to talk about this, I thought was pretty fascinating because they didn't, first of all, they didn't trap at first. And he was getting free and he was scoring some shots. Pretty soon after that, at any time DeAndre Ayton screened for Devin Booker, Jokic was trying to push him out to half court, essentially. And Devin Booker was making the right reads over and over and over again after the first few traps. 
And uh, Suns players were hitting shots. Eight assists is what he ended with. And I thought it was remarkable that he was he did that so well. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see how they make adjustments in this second game. Because what happened later on, as other players started getting going, whether that be Cameron Payne or Chris Paul, they started like soft trapping guys that were not even Devin Booker. And if they do that, if they start soft trapping and Devin Booker's on the wing somewhere, that seems like a really bad game plan for the Nuggets. I was surprised that well, they started trapping other guys. I saw a soft trap on Mikhail Bridges in the third quarter. Yes, and that's when I was anyone like, I was that like, took screens at the top of the key, it seemed like. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? Cameron Payne, like, Chris how'd... Paul, they all faced him. Yeah, and they're they're in a real exploratory phase because they're grappling with something that we talked about in our spaces earlier today when we went live before the game. It's teams have success when they switch against the Suns and the Nuggets just don't have that personnel. So they have to find something else. You know, they were they were trapping Booker. They went with a show most often against Chris Paul, but like he so easily Here's how we got the best dunk of DeAndre Ayton's career is because Jokic showed and Chris Paul with his his just brilliant passing manipulation in mind was able to break it with a pocket pass instantly. Like you just can't throw extra defenders at Chris Paul because he always finds the open guy. He just always does it. And so they they have a long way to go in terms of figuring out exactly which angles they want to give Paul and which angles they want to give Booker. Um, I will say I think Aaron Gordon one on one when he got into those situations with Booker did a pretty good job. Yeah, he's a he's a big wing and the and the and types he moves of his guys. Feet well. He moves his feet well. The types of guys who give Booker the most trouble, I feel like, are of that prototype. They just they they don't. Uh, he can't shake them off. All it that take easily. away his nope. strength advantage. Exactly. Booker has a strength advantage. On frankly, he likes to to push off guys when he can. Yeah. And it helps him create separation. And if if you're not giving him that, if you're up on a guy who has a thirty pound or twenty pound weight advantage on him, makes uh, his life a lot more difficult. So I don't think it's anything Aaron Gordon did wrong, but I I think it's just Booker trusted in the system around him. He trusted in the teammates uh, he has, and those teammates came through. When DeAndre Ayton caught the ball. However far, essentially at the free throw line. Is this about the dunk? And dunked it. <laughs> I almost passed out. That was Amare Stoudemire-esque. I, yeah. He, I, I don't think he's done that this his entire career where he caught no. the ball there with a single dribble. I mean, he, he had the bullshit. He had not bullshit. It was great. He had the Xavier Tillman dunk of the post earlier this season. That's the only other oh, one that's memorable to me. Against the, but, a but rookie no, in a meaningless one, game. Yeah. Yeah, this one was, I, I literally instantly went to Twitter and I tweeted because I had Tom Leander's voice in my head when when Stat dunked on Tolliver and, and Tom Leander says, uh, maybe the top dunk of his career, that was savage, like that's the call he has. <laughs> it's one of those moments in Suns history for me that it's like it stays in your head. And that was was just playing in the background of my brain as I watched DeAndre Ayton. That was the most he's ever looked like Amari Stoudemire for, for 10 seconds. How many times have we seen him catch the ball in that exact spot, look at the rim, hesitate to shoot a jumper, and then shoot a jumper that's contested because he hesitated? He wants the bag. The The difference he between... He smells the bag, Mike. Good, I, good. The difference between <laughs> what he was offensively and that specific dunk, that one dunk, is is the difference between him essentially becoming 
the best center in the NBA uh, if he can continue yeah. to do that on a regular basis. And that I mean, is not he, hyperbole. I believe that. No, no, because he's already got, look, he's already the rim threat. He can catch lobs, but that ability to, to really put that level of pressure on the rim sucks in the defense so much. Um, he had a couple of great passes yes, out from that position that, too to to like uh, to Mikhail corner threes. I mean, again, if the corner is going to be open, then then keep making those reads. Yes, and if and if they're going to drop in on him, suck the defense is going to get sucked in, just like you said. Uh, he's got to make that read, but it's, it's exactly right. That kind of pressure on the rim. I mean, nobody else can do it on the Suns, obviously. Very few players can do it in the NBA. From that far out, that's the important part of this. From that far out to catch it and to be able to put that kind of pressure on the rim. I mean, yeah. I mean, it really makes you appreciate what Amari Stoudemire was because he did that five, six times a game. At the end of the day, the Nuggets need to decide fast what they're going to take away from this Suns offense. Yeah, because they weren't... Because I mean, they I, didn't take away anything. Tonight. And they, At they the end could of the be day, better. They didn't. <laughs> like, the Suns could be better than this, too. Yeah, I mean, fi- look, they shot well, 54-38, but they've shot better than that sometimes, too. Like, this, yeah, this wasn't their peak. You know, Cam- campaign could have gone off or something. Like yeah, Cameron Cam Johnson. Johnson. Cam Johnson could have hit threes. There are other things that could have happened. But it was like the only thing you took away tonight was Devin Booker didn't score 40. So if that was your goal, great. But other than that, like Devin Booker and Chris Paul still got their mid-range shots. Yeah. The the shooters loved it tonight and Aiton still got his looks at the rim. So what did what did you really accomplish? It's just I and and I don't know. I don't know if there's an easy if it's an execution question or if there's an easy game plan switch that they could make here for game 2. It's just so tough when you're throwing out defenders like like they have. I mean, like Faku and Austin Rivers for, you know, a combined 70 minutes in the backcourt. It's just tough. Yeah, I see guys like Matt Moore talking about, well, if Mikhail Bridges is going to do that, there's nothing you can do. No, it's yeah. Matt. And, and respectfully it's, to Matt, who I, I saw him a couple days ago talk about how confident he was Nuggets and six in the series, and that only made me more confident in our chances. Um, he's a smart guy, but... but He's wrong all the gets, time. Gets a little bit blinded when it comes to Denver, and that's okay. Um, he's just... The Suns just have more weapons. They well, just look, do. And it's not just about Mikhail Bridges. I they just think just... it's it's a stupid thing to watch. It's just dumb to watch Portland, that series, and apply anything to the Suns because what happened in Portland is Austin Rivers and Monte Morris were going off. The reason Austin Rivers and Monte Morris were going off is because Portland is very bad defensively. That's just not a coincidence. You can't count yeah. on those guys to be what they are. We have lots of evidence on who Austin Rivers is, and we have lots of evidence on who Monte Morris is. Monte Morris Monte is better Morris than is, he is tonight. Yes, yes, I want to say that. Austin Rivers is who he is tonight, in most cases. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just the truth. Monte Morris was a minus 28 tonight. A minus 28. That's 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 very, very, very good for the Suns, but I just, I just find it odd to be that confident co- coming out of that. I mean, do you not know about the Suns' defense? You know? This is, here's, here's where I'll go out on a limb. I, I think what's funny about this series is that you talk to both Suns fans, you talk to Denver fans, and both of them are so confident. So someone's going to look wrong. Someone's going to look really dumb at the end of the series. I hope it's not us. But I came away from this game thinking, if DeAndre Ayton can guard Jokic with that level of success without getting put into foul trouble, and Chris Paul looks like this for the rest of the series, honestly, like maybe it's Suns in five. Honestly, maybe it is. They looked really good, Mike. Yeah, they they really did. And that was without Chris Paul really looking right in the first half. He really didn't turn it on until that third quarter. By the way, still able to find guys 
because he's a genius. Um, Dario Saric got a chance tonight. I predicted eight minutes. He played nine. He was a plus five in those nine minutes. I'm not going to count that for anything, but I don't think that he looked lost. <laughs> I think he was fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I I mean, I think he did better than what I would have I will expected say, Frank Kaminsky to do in those lineups. A little, a little was, worried about their bench still, but... he I did see him collect one... After he had gained like a little bit of confidence, I saw him collect a pocket pass from... Uh, from Chris Paul, and he took one gather, and then he was surrounded by four guys. He had an open shooter in the corner. Cam Johnson, and yeah. Yeah, and decided to throw up an air ball instead, and that yeah. made that that was painful. Was and, painful. But he dunked for the first time since August 11th, dunked. August 11th, 2020, was his last NBA dunk. Uh, so, I mean, that is something for, for Dario Saric. I mean, he's putting in the effort. Uh, not, Absolutely. Not quite, not quite the DeAndre Ayton dunk. Uh, um, same with... Uh, same with Jay Crowder's dunk, which is kind of a rim grazer too, but they dunked. One th- one thing I want to give Denver credit for, and I know the plus minus, if you just look at the box score tonight, won't reflect this because they lost. Their, their plus minus all around is bad. Um, the Paul Millsap to Michael Green bench pairing yeah. is kind of uh, is is better than I better than I expected. Yeah, I think what I expected is you know it, they don't really have they don't have a true center a traditional center who can like catch lobs between the two of them. But those two will scrap for boards, and if you combine them with Porter, which they did in some lineups in the second quarter, most of the, uh, time, the Suns. Yeah. Yeah, this, I thought the Suns mostly did a really good job of team kind of gang rebounding tonight, um, helping Da out because he can't shoulder the whole load. However, uh, that's that's a unit I think you're going to have to be careful with throughout this series. And and another thing I was saying earlier today, I was like, well, you know, maybe you can get away with playing more Tory Craig at center. I think it makes more sense to do what Monty did and, and have a traditional big out there, whether it's Sharich or Kaminsky, because those guys are bigger and, and they're better at rebounding than I gave them credit for. So that's just something to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. I expected them to give Sharich a chance, and I thought I thought he was okay. I, I think that you can continue that experiment for now. Uh, something to look out for in the next game. Uh, in that second half, the Nuggets were switching when Booker screened for Paul. And that's a good thing for the Suns. If they continue to switch when Booker screens for Paul, you get Aaron Gordon off Devin Booker. I mean, every single time he had the ball and Aaron Gordon wasn't on him, he was getting into the paint at will. Does that mean Booker post-ups on Faku? Booker post-ups on Faku. Uh, Austin Rivers me? guarding him. Yeah, there were there were things that happened. They went to Aaron uh, Aaron Gordon pretty quickly, but multiple, I think twice. I'm not going to say it happened a lot because Booker doesn't screen a lot, but I think twice. Devin Booker screened for Chris Paul. It's possible one of them was Chris Paul screening for Devin Booker and they switched. If they continue to do that, you have to abuse that. You just have to abuse that. Um, I mean, so, when we talked, when we we talked at length about how can the Suns remember because switching defenses gave us fits. It was like one of the things that vexed Suns fans the most um, throughout the season. And we talked about, we were like, what's one of the ways you can beat this? Devin Booker uh, picks for for Chris Paul. That's like, yeah. that's like one of the go to ways. So take yeah. it where you can. So I hope they do that in the next game. Um, is there anything else that you notice that you'd like to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, there's nothing else I need to get off my chest right now. That was just a really well rounded win. The building looked like the energy was electric. Um, that was that was a great game. That was a great game, Mike. It was a great game. It was a blast. Roller coaster third quarter. Uh, broke my heart and then put it all back together by the end of that one. Shout out to the Suns fans. I think you're right to point that out. Shout out to the Suns fans that were at this game. They were remarkable. I imagine the ratio of Suns fans to Nuggets fans is a lot more in the favor of Suns fans than it was when Lakers <laughs> the Lakers were there. Uh, so you got to be as loud as possible. Uh, in Can that I just one. ask... Um, 
if if they advance and i'm i'm not trying to put any voodoo magic out there or whatever but uh theoretically like say they advance and play the clippers it wouldn't be like that with clippers fans no, right like that's no. a lakers exclusive thing. yes yeah figured yeah the, the teams that i've seen a lot of fans at were the lakers the knicks and the bulls surprisingly bulls. there's a lot of people from chicago in in phoenix for whatever yeah, reason. i've heard that yeah. yeah so so those are the teams that i've seen and i've been to just about every team I've seen here in the in the Suns Arena, so yeah, that's that's a main thing there. Uh, we will be back for Game Two. Hopefully, another win at home. Got to hold on to that home court advantage. Take advantage of the game plan that they executed well. Make some slight adjustments if you're anticipating that they make some obvious changes. But if look, it comes down to if they don't help off those corners, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are going to be a little bit more free. And if they continue to help, continue to hit those shots. Uh, anything else, Sam? Nope. All right, we'll be back. Next Thanks. Time. Thanks for listening. I'm happy that everybody's getting to see this on the national stage. You know what I mean? Book is special. Been special. But now everybody just getting a chance to see it. Y'all getting to see stuff that we already knew. Mikael Bridges, uh, Jake Crowder, the grit that he brought to our team. Campaign. You know what I mean? We have a real team, a great coaching staff, and... At the end of the day, we, we just having fun. That's the best part about it. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.